just as we uh, kind of move along here, summer's upon us and uh, coming quicker than, than what we would really enjoy, I think, for some of us. And, uh, but uh, we're here, we're going to study, and we're going to keep moving. We've been talking about what a spirit-filled life looks like in the believer. And uh, Ephesians 5, verse 18, was our launch pattern. Uh, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. By the way, the first part of that, verse 18, we're going to talk about probably first to next year. I've been teaching the guys on, on the men's fellowship about it. And uh, there's more going on than that than just going on and tying one on down at uh, Joe's Bar and Grill, okay? Uh, there's something that's here that uh, is something far deeper going on behind the scenes than just getting drunk. And, and now, going and getting drunk isn't wise anyway. Okay, but that's common sense. But there's something going on spiritually there, and we've been looking at it in, in rather depth on, in our men's fellowship. And uh, I told the guys yesterday we're gonna I want to teach start teaching that in here, probably in the fall, late fall, early next year. And someone said you're really gonna, because I mean we we went pretty deep yesterday into certain things, and it's like you're really gonna do this <laughs> in front of everybody. I'm like yeah, I really want to because there's stuff going on here of why Paul would say then to be filled with the Spirit. And he says, here's what it looks like in an individual. Verse 19, you're going to have an inner harmony. There's going to be a melody in your heart there, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. There's an inner harmony about you. you got inner peace. you got an inner thing that's clicking inside of you that no matter what comes your way, you're, I, I, I don't know where I picked this phrase up, but you're just chilled. You're good to go. Then you got verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And now you have a thankful heart for no matter what comes your way. 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, for in everything give thanks. Here, he says, for all things give thanks. So no matter what comes your way, we're to give thanks. And in the middle of it, we're to give thanks. So when it's a good thing, good. When it's a bad thing, guess what? Good. We're good. We're good to go. The proper heart and the proper motivation of grace and a thankful, and a thankful heart. Then he says, verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now we have that servant's heart. By the way, verse 21 is me to you and you to me and you to your neighbor. It's, it's us, all of us, okay? We're all to have an inner harmony, a thankful attitude and heart to God, and a servant's heart to each other in the work of the ministry, in the local church specifically. Then he says, verse 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So, verse 19, 20, and 21, here's you, the individual. You decide to do this. Here's your volition. You make it up. Now, we're, he's going to move into the, to the marriage, and he's going to talk about wives. Now, wives, way before you're told to submit to, to your own husbands, what are you already doing in verse 21? You're already submitting, see? So now this isn't anything new here to your thinking. Now you're, you're having a role adjustment because not, not everybody in the room's married. So as a role adjustment, now we're going to talk about the wife as, as a role. We're all equal. Galatians 3 over there, there's neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free, neither male nor female. We're all what? One in Christ. We're not talking about equality, superiority, or inferiority. We're talking about roles. And the role, the, the job description of the wife is given here. For the husband is the head of the wife. And we talked about the headship thing. Headship has nothing to do about being a dictator. Headship has to do with leadership. Husbands, your jobs, we're going to talk, we're talking about husbands today. We'll get there, okay? Husbands. Our job is to lead our wives. That, that's part of our responsibility. Then he says, therefore, well, verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands. Notice those last three words. In what? And only when I think he's right. Only when, you know, I'm getting my way. It doesn't say that. It says what? 
in everything. In everything that the husband makes a leadership decision, what is the wife's, the wife's attitude to be? A submissive one. A servant. Why? We went back to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, where Eve is created, and what is she created to be? A help meet for him. Not help mat, not a doormat, but a helper. A come up alongside and help. Okay? Again, this is not inferiority or superiority. It's not a, I'm it, so, you know, I am man, hear me roar. Roar, you know. Okay, we can fix that, Charlie. Pam, you ain't man no more, you know. It's not here, I am woman, hear me roar. It's none of that. It's, these are the roles. Last week we got into verse 25, the husbands. So let's start there. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. First thing I want you to know, notice, husbands, love your wives even as who? Even as what? What's our illustration? What's our example? Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. But you know what, wives? You have the same standard. The husband is the head of the wife. Look at verse 23 there, 22, 23. Husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. We have the, you ladies have the same standard. Verse 24, therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be. You know, you've got the same standard. So the standard is going to be this relationship with Christ and the church. And it's going to go across the board. That's fantastic. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself for it. Think about that. By the way, husbands, love your wives. Look at verse 33. Verse 33. I got a marriage help book in the mail uh, here the other day. Something I'm looking for, I'm trying to find. and uh, I didn't go to Barnes & Noble. I should have, but I went on Amazon and flipped through and go, all right, maybe this is the book. And spent five bucks for it, you know. It's got a list in the back of it of 25 things that a wife needs. 25 things that a husband needs. And I'm like, holy cow, man. Your Bible says there's only one thing a wife needs, and there's only one thing a husband needs. It's verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so what? Love his wife, even as himself. Now, that's going to connect into these other verses we're going to look at. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now, the only person worthy of reverence is God. But if I'm being, if ladies, if you're being subject to your own husband as Christ was, the church is to Christ, then who are you really giving reverence to? Christ. You're doing what your job description says for you to do. But what does it say? What do the wives need? They need love. Security. That she is it. She's everything. That was a big fly. She's all of it. She's, your, she's the apple of your eye. She's the, whole, she's the deal. Wives, you're to come along and reverence, respect your husbands. I know what the world says, respect is earned, not in this case. You're going to respect your husband because he's your what? Husband. He could be a jerk. Just remember, you married the jerk. He's your husband. She can be, you know, guess what? You married so you're to do what? Love her. But then we spent last time looking at and gave himself for it. Five times Paul uses that term, gave himself. And we looked at each one of those last time because each of those five are designed. By the way, I'm only in my opening paragraph here. I've got to get back in this. Each of the five are designed for you and I to learn something specific about why he gave himself for us. The first one in Galatians 1 was to, if you remember, to deliver us from this, the pew, present evil world, P-E-W. Why did he give himself for So that he could do what? Rescue us from this present evil world, the satanic policy. Verse 25 is one of them. Now look at verse 26 quickly. Look at that first word. That, 
he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice, the standard for us is Christ. He gave himself that sacrificial love, marriage love, married love. That self-sacrificing commitment, care that shows itself when it seek and, and it demonstrates itself in seeking the highest good for the one it loves. Ladies, your job, one of your role things in the submission issue and the loving your husband is to make him, reverencing your husband, respecting him, is to make him the best husband he could be in that job. Husbands, what are we to do? Love our wives. We're to make her the best wife she could ever be. Come over to Philippians chapter 2. Listen, folks, I'm going to say this eight or nine or ten or a hundred times. This issue about married love, marriage love. We're not talking about the, the, the emotion of, oh my goodness, there she walked in the room and the room went silent. And nothing's moving, only her. As she glided across. And, you know, reality is what did she do? How y'all doing? You know, stop. <laughs> right? She, but in your mind, what did she do? There's Cinderella. And in her mind, there's my King Arthur. Oh, boom, boom, boom. No. <laughs> Easy back there, okay? <laughs> Got a fight going on. Good thing it's off camera, right? <laughs> No, that's not what we're talking about when we talk about love in Scripture. You're in Philippians 2. Look at chapter 1, verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in what? Knowledge and in all. We're talking about a mental attitude. That's why I call it married love, sacrificial love. He gave himself for us, that self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself and seeking the highest good of the one it loved. But God committed his love toward us, and that while we were yet what? Sinners. He didn't say, you're a sinner, so nice knowing you. Hit the road, Jack. He says, no, I what? I'm seeking your highest good, so I went and died for you. That's what we bring into our Philippians 2. Verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Oh my goodness, what great marriage counseling right there. Woo, you do that and boy, happy, happy, happy. If that's the what? The mindset. Now, will you quarrel? Colossians 3 says, if any man quarrels with it, you're going to quarrel. Why? Because we're two sinful people living together to produce and to do the will of God in our lives together. You're going to fight. You're going to bruise it up. But let's not let that be the first place we go. Let not. Let, look at that verse. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Boy, you know, sometimes, ladies, you just like to get even. So you get him. And then you go, oh, who, me? I didn't do that. <laughs> you should hear him. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, I feel like Rodney Dangerfield. No respect, you know. Guys, we do things. Listen, when ladies, when you no longer respect your husband, he hears nothing but the language of contentment. And you know what happens when you're contempt? You don't love someone who, who holds you in contempt. And ladies, husbands, when you don't love your wife, you know what she sees that as? He's just walking all over me. I'm nothing but a doormat to him. He's a dictator. He's a jerk. And you're home. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But, uh-oh, in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also, boy, let's think about this in our marriage. Both for the husband and the wife. The first priority as a husband is to put her first. That's what real love looks like. Think about the, have that thinking that led Christ to Calvary. What's the, what's the word of my Father say I'm to do? Go back to Ephesians 5. What's the word of the Father to you? 
What's the word of God to you, gentlemen? What are we supposed to do in 525? Love our wives. Give ourselves for our wives. Make them the priority. We're to love our wives. Your gentlemen, guys, husbands, husbands to be, wives to be, you can listen to this too. Our job is to lead our families, our marriages in the atmosphere of love. Not dictatorship, but of love, of the sacrificial love. And when you do that, you know what begins to happen? You begin to have, I'm not going to say roses in the garden all the time. Because what sprouts in the garden? Weeds. But it'll sure be a cleaner garden. Now when he talks here about loving your wives, he's not talking about just material things. You know what 1 Timothy 5 says? If a man doesn't provide for his family, he's worse than an infidel. He's denied. That's the material things. That's clear. But here... He's talking about our chief responsibility. It's to love our wives. It's to then provide for the home. We're getting there in in chapter 6. And that's the chief issues here. The problem is, is that we find out, and I say we, men, us guys, we find out sometimes it's easier to give things to the family than to give ourselves to the family. And that's the temptation of the world. And Galatians 1, he says, you ought not have, you, not, you being delivered from the present evil world, you shouldn't be living and thinking like the world thinks out there. You need to be living and thinking how God thinks about this. And how he, do you, do you, you see that? That's what's happening here. We're to love our wives. That self-sacrificing, caring commitment that shows itself in the seeking of the highest good, the highest priority for those that we're loving. And that's the priority of the husband, so that we can pray and be done. (laughs) No. There's a few more verses in here and there. (laughs) You guys okay? It's all right. It's okay. Good deal. Ladies, you need to understand this. Not so that you can look at your husband and say, you're not doing what Pastor Rick said. That's, a leg- that's legalism. That's an un- unrealistic expectation. Let me get my notebook out. Oh, you did that one. Didn't do that one. A friend of mine, well, anyway, I don't tell stories. The highest priority for the husband that is a daily challenge to the husband, by the way, is verse 25, to love your wives. And it's a daily challenge because our old flesh gets in the way. And you go to bed at 2 in the morning because you've been up doing, and you get up at 7, you're operating on five hours of sleep, and you know what happens? She comes in and says, hey, honey, I love you. All right, what do you mean you love me? What does that mean? And she's like, whoa, dude. I'll just see you later. (laughs) That's the challenge, isn't it? Now watch what Paul does here. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That. Verse 27. First word. That. Paul now gives two verses to this. In order to explain to the husbands... By the way, he's going to add one, two, three, four, five, six, seven verses. He's going to add five more verses to this to the husbands so that we understand what it is, what to love our wives is to look like. Because if, you know, if I said, hey, love your wife. Okay, what does that look like? You know, what's, what's that supposed to look like? Ladies, it's here. You can see it. You can see the grave responsibility, the great responsibility, the grave too, (laughs) responsibility, the heavy responsibility. Some of you caught that, okay. For your husband. 
so that when you understand that, hey, look, this is the responsibility of my husband, my responsibility is to be submissive to him and to come up and be his help meet to make him the best husband because look in the, look at what he's got to do in the role of a husband. We're not talking about job. We're not talking about family, kids. We're talking about husbands in the role, the job description. And look at what he says, verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Look at that. Wow. Look at what the intent here. Three things here. The intention, the intent of what it's going to look like, guys, for us to love our wives. One is sanctify. Two is cleanse. Three is present presentation. You got this whole th- formula here. There's a lot to do in these two verses and we're not even done with it. <laughs> he ain't even done with us. What you're reading in verse 26 and 27 is is purposeful living and loving your wife. Living and loving. Loving your wife requires some intent, some focused effort, purpose. And he says, we got three of them. And I'm going to give you three of them. And this is what it's going to look like. Now, this isn't a perfect world where everybody does their jobs and does them perfectly. Okay? But we don't live in that realm. I love 1 Corinthians 7, one of the greatest passages on on marriage. Paul says, in a perfect world, this is how this is going to work. But guess what? The world ain't perfect. So you know what's going to happen? There's going to be struggles. There's going to be divorce. There's going to be remarriage. Woo! Two hot topics. But you know what Paul says? It's okay under grace. There's requirements. There's standards. But let's get it right here. If you're doing what we're talking about here now, guess what? Those other two issues never come up. Never even thought about. Never even discussed. Because you're standing right here because guess what? You've chosen to be a wife and you've chosen to be a husband. So you got the big three. Now we're going to do some things here the rest of this morning that you can't pay anybody in a marriage counseling seminar type stuff will ever go through this stuff with you. The average day church marriage stuff, I've, I've been look, I look at it all. Marriage mentors. I'm like... Okay, $750 will get you certified. I'm like, whoa, (laughs) how about I just read my Bible? (laughs) Because we're going to look at some things here when we talked about these two verses that first we're going to show you the doctrine, what's going on doctrinally, because the illustration is Christ and who? The church. But that's our standard. You see, Christ works in a pattern here, and he's going to work for us in a pattern. We're to love him. Just We're to love our wives just as he loved the church. What did he do for the church in verse 25? What did he do? He gave himself, didn't he? He went and he died for the church, the body of Christ. He gave himself. When he died, was it halfway or was it 100%? 100% on board. He gets down in the garden he says, Not thy will, but my will be done. Uh, that I said that wrong, didn't I? He says, not my will, but what? Thy will, Father. You, that's what we're going to do. 100% on board. You come to him, he gave you, and then you trusted him. So here we are. That's you. After the moment of salvation. What does he say there, verse 26? No, we're just going to look at this. He gave himself. He sacrificed himself. In his thinking, Philippians 2.5, that issue of the mind of Christ, he gave himself out of an obedience to the Father's word, to the Father's will. We see that great illustration of sacrificial love, married love, if you will, of looking at and looking for the best and the highest good of the one that you love. Then he says that he might, what? Sanctify. Now that's a wonderful word. 
sanctify. Just kind of think about this. Come over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's look at this. The moment of salvation. You and I, we are baptized by one spirit into one body. We're baptized into Christ. We are given a new identity. Sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart for, the, for which it was created. Okay? By the way, we're going to sanctify our wives. What was our wives created to be? A helpmeet to him. Follow, okay? Catch this. We'll kind of try to meld the two. Mind meld. Ooh. We watched Star Trek the other night, you know? I'm not a Trekkie, but my wife is. And I love her. You know, so we watch it. We're going to do the old Vulcan mind grip on you. Romulans, get the Borg. I'm like, what in the world are we talking about? Sanctify you. 1 Corinthians 1, look at verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are what? Sanctified where? In Christ Jesus, called to be saints. Your name is saint. That's who you are. You don't need a Roman Catholic church to tell you. You're a saint. That's who you are. But notice, it, what, where are we? We're sanctified. We have this new identity. Where? In Christ. Come on over to, to chapter 6, 1 Corinthians. Chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Look here at verse number 9. Now we know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. He gives out, you see all that list there, 9 and 10? That's who you were. Verse 11, and such were some of you. There's your time past life. Good luck. Happy, happy, happy. Good to know you. But what did God do? He gave himself for you. So now he could sanctify you, identify you with him. Now watch the rest of verse 11. But ye are, what? Isn't that interesting? We're going to, have to see a washing by the water in the word here in a minute. Ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Your identity. When we trust Christ, we took, he took us out of Adam and he put us into Christ Jesus. We have this new Identity. Come over to Hebrews 10 with me. We have this new position. He has set us apart. Now we're talking about the doctrine. That's what he did. He set us and he put us into himself. He gives us this new reality. Look at Hebrews 10. Look at verse 10. By the which will we are, what? Sanctified through the offering of of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Boy, what a great verse that is. He did it once, and then he did it for who? For all. But notice it says, through the offering, uh, but, but the which will we are what? Sanctified. Now look at verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected them, perfected forever them that are Sanctified. How long is your sanctification going to last? For, isn't that fantastic? That's forever. Come back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He doesn't just do it to you and say, good luck, we'll see you next week. He does it to you and he, and he sanctifies you and he sets it out there forever. Notice it's sanctified. It's already done. And that's the thing about this sanctification here is that it's already done. Sorry. That's scribbly looking ugly. It's done. And it's going to last forever. It's 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For ye know that the command, what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your, what, 
sanctification that you should abstain from fornications. We, as we are instructed in our walk, we're to walk as who? As saints. We are to, we are sanctified here. Our life then needs to be filled with who we are in Christ. And as we walk through life, and as we grow, come over to 2 Corinthians 7, as we begin to proceed through life, and as we begin to move through life, and as we begin to grow, and as we're going and as we're moving, we're doing that more and more into who we are in Christ. Look at 2 Corinthians 7. And verse 1, just kind of laying in the foundation here on this issue, these three points, okay? Then we'll nail you here in a minute. 2 Corinthians 7, look at verse 1. Having therefore these promises. Well, what are the promises? Well, you go back up there to verse 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And he gives this great thing down to verse 17 about being unequally yoked with the religious system. Okay? Verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord, God, the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us, what? What's the next one? Cleanse ourselves. From all filthiness of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, what does Ephesians 5 say to us? Go back there to Ephesians 5. We are to bring now our identity into our walk. And as we grow and as we move up the scale in our maturity, we're now going to do what? The second part of verse 26 that he might sanctify and what? Cleanse it. Are you with me? Did I lose you? Okay, Ephesians 5.26 is where we need to be. I see some confused looks of like, what day is it? Okay. <laughs> Ephesians 5.26. <laughs> I, I know, I saw him. <laughs> that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. As we begin to bring our identity into our walk and as we grow, what do we begin to do? Cleanse. We begin to purify ourselves, don't we? We begin to wash. Then verse 27, there's going to be a presentation, but notice what Christ is doing for the church. What's he doing? He's sanctifying it. He's giving you a new identity in Christ. Now he's going to, then he's going to cleanse it. He's going to, so he can then bring that identity into your life. And then he's going to come over here and present it to himself. So there's going to be a presentation over here. Okay? There's, there's these steps here. And husbands, guess what we're to do? The same thing to our wives. And that's what we're to be focused in on. Cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church. He gives us this new identity in Christ. He then causes that new identity to move into our life as we grow. So then ultimately over here he can present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or... Don't, don't the ladies worry about the spots and the wrinkles? Yeah, they do. Here, what does he say? Not having spot or wrinkle. Oh, we've got so much to say about that in just a second. Gentlemen, husbands, you know what we're to be focused in on? This same. By the way, the presentation, there's our rapture, the meeting in the air, and off we go. And there it is. The three steps. What you're seeing here, gentlemen, to you and I as instructions as husbands is that we are to be focused in on the spiritual development of our wives. 
and then ultimately our family. No matter what the things are in life, the houses, the cars, the jobs, the external external, uh, extracurricular activity, this is what we need to be focused in on. The real issue here and what he's driving at is really on who are you? And let's bring that into the details of life. Who are you? This is, this is you. This is Christ in the church. What did he do? He gave himself for it. He sanctified you. He set you apart for him because he's got a great ultimate goal out here of a presentation of a perfect church, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. And the only way he can do that is to sanctify you, give you an idea, cause an identity, an idea, duh, an identity. Boy, I'm having a great day, aren't you? I am. I have so much fun doing this. Even it may not look like it. This guy doesn't know his hat from his hand, but it's there. We've got a great identity in Christ. Then we're going to cleanse it with the Word. Let's get that up there. The Word. We're going to grow because he's got an ultimate goal out there. And when we come in and we bring that into our... He's talking to the husbands. Guys, this is what we're to be doing. The real issue is to bring who you are into the details of life and to do that in your wife. Think about these things as husbands. Sanctify. What has she been set? You're going to set her apart for the purpose for which she was created. Now, before you go get all women are created to be wives, not all women are created to be wives, not all men are created to be husbands. They're not. I know, a lot, I know several gentlemen who are bachelors all their days, and they're happy in it. I know a few ladies who would love to be married, but no, they're not going to ever get married. You know, And they're happy in it. Your happiness is not whether you're a husband or wife. Your happiness is in who you are in Christ. You just chose to marry the guy or the gal. You made a decision to say, you know what, I'm going to now be in this role. And in this role as a husband, this role as a wife, what's her purpose? I've said it. She's to be what? A helpmeet for him. And our functions as a husband is when she becomes a wife, guess what she is? She's sanctified. She's already a wife for you. She's already been set apart for you. She's your helpmeet. So, man, why in the world would you treat her like a doormat? She's there for you. So we, husbands, are to make sure that she understands who she is in your life. She knows who she is in Christ. She already knows that she's chosen the role of a wife. She needs to know that you that she understands who she is in your life. Our relationships with each other starts here. It starts with her having an understanding of her identity. Then, second point, and cleanse it with the washing of the water. Come over to John 15. Boy, that, well, we're going to do this and... John 15, do it quickly here, John 15, John 15 in verse number 3, the Lord is talking to the apostles, oh it helps to be in John, Rick, 1 Corinthians 15 ain't going to do it, (laughs) John 15 and verse number 3, I wondered what that looks, 15.3. He says in verse 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. Verse 3, now ye, and that's going to be the little flock and the apostles, are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. 17.17 says that sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Come back to Psalms 119. Guys, when we're going to sanctify, when we're going to clean them up, when we're going to wife wash Have a little washing of our wives. 
What are we using? Well, Dove, a little, Psalms 119. What are we using? We're not going to use Dove. We're going to use the Word. We're not going to use human viewpoint. We're not going to use what the world says is the standard for how you should do. We're going to use God's Word. Look at Psalms 119. Look at verse number 9. 119, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy, what? Word. So you know what David says, verse 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Guys, our, our focus, our job is for her to have an understanding of, of, of who she is in our life and what's happening. And we're to come along and we are to cleanse her. We're to wash her with the word. Have the word cascade down over her. Uh, the idea is, is in 2 Corinthians 11. Run back there. I, I see the clock and, 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 and hurry up here a little bit. Second, we'll talk more about this in two weeks. <laughs> You're not off the hook, okay? Oh, I'm studying this going, man, I'm going to keep this nice, short, and simple to the guys. <laughs> the more I study, the more I can't. Why? Because the responsibility lays with you and I. Why? Because of the headship issue, leadership. That's our job. It's our responsibility. We come, 2 Corinthians 11, we come along and we, we're going to clean her up. We're going to cleanse her. 2 Corinthians 11, here's the idea, verse 3. Verse 2, sorry, 11-2. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a, what? Chaste virgin, virgin to Christ. That's the idea here about washing with water by the word, the cleansing. It's to present her pure. I, wanna, I want you to, to be pure, and I want you to be devoted to Christ, and I want you to be devoted to the marriage and to the family, because that's what we decided to do together. That's what you decided to do when you said you would be my wife. And you begin to educate her there. Husbands, we need to make sure our wives are growing spiritually toward godliness. By the way, you know what that means? You've got to be that too. Later down in Ephesians, come back to chapter 5 of Ephesians, we'll see in chapter 6 where he says, Father, bring your children. Don't send them, bring them. You know what you're to do with your wives? The same thing. Now, this usually, by the way, just kind of little by the way thing here, this is usually where somebody will say, then we need to be having Bible study every day. And you're not being the spiritual leader in our family because we're not having Bible study at every dinner. Do you know, ladies, that your, your man might not be the Bible study type? And guess what? That's okay. Don't make that demand on him to be that. But gentlemen, don't say, okay, good, Whew, you gave me an escape. No, what's your job to do? Sanctifier, cleanser. Presenter. So you know what you better be doing? You better be bringing her somewhere where she can be and get the spiritual edification she needs, i.e., local church. Follow that? Some guys just can't sit and study and get it, but you know what they sure can do? Get up on Sunday morning and be there at 930, 11, Wednesday night, Monday night. Whatever the opportunity is, make the say, hey, we're going to do this, and honey, you're coming with me. <laughs> <laughs> Throw the shackles on. Let's go. No. What do you? Why? Because what have you done with her? You've had a conversation over here of how important spiritual growth is. I think about the young couples that have been married here uh, the last couple years, and I think about their careers, their jobs. Sometimes those schedules and those jobs don't allow for Sunday morning meeting but will allow for Monday night or Wednesday. Then you know what? As a husband, your job's to do? Be there when you can. Make that a priority. We're to, we're to walk. We're to, we're to come in, guys, and we're to make sure that she's growing spiritually toward that issue of godliness. Godliness. 
We're to work toward making her more holy. Not, never to lead her to sin, but to make her more holy, spiritual, growth. To take her and to make her the best that she could ever be. Strengthened in her inner man. And again, that means you're doing it too. Husbands, then we come along. By the way, that's what, that's what loving your wife looks like, is what we're talking about here. We need to look at what's coming into our marriage, what comes into our family, and we need to be on guard against that. And we need to understand that it, it's our first job to, she's already sanctified, but it's to cleanse and in verse 27, there's a presentation. Notice verse 27, that he might present it to himself. He's not talking about external beauty. He's talking about what? Internal beauty. Now, listen, guys, we all know, man, when we saw her, the heart just went, boom, 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 boom. the physical attraction has to be there. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about that inner beauty. That beauty that, that's coming inside of you. And ladies, you need to remember there is an inner beauty. And that's what your husband is attracted to. It's what's going on inside of you. Yes, there is a physical. I'm not denying that. But what's the true attraction is what's going on inside of you. Present. I think about that. Present a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or such thing, but that it shall be, that it should be holy and without. Boy, presenting, presenting in all of her beauty, in all of her splendor, in all of her glory. There she, she's mine. That woman over there, she's mine. Present it to himself. I think about that. For She's on my arm, man. She's walking right there. She's mine. All of who she is on the inside. The guys, husbands, sit there. First of all, think about Christ in the church. When he presents him to himself, what does he say? There's my body. Whoa, look at them. Woohoo, they're mine. Husbands, the same way. The greatest prize is this godly, pure, honorable, radiant wife on his arm. There she is. And, gentlemen, our job is to see to that. It's to see that she is priority and to see that godliness that comes from her growing into the identity of who she is in Christ. And you know what that becomes? It becomes radiant. And it becomes deeper than just saying, oh, wow, you, she, she's a Barbie. <laughs> but wow, she is Man, man, she is just there. And she's what? Yours. She's your wife. Well, as you think, you think about this, this is much more than just going to, you know, 12 meetings and figure out 25 what to do's. Because, gentlemen, our job is to take our wife and to cause her to grow. We're to love her. You want to love your wife? You need to be doing these three things to her. She's already sanctified. That's already done deal. But that growth and presentation. The other day, Linda, I'll tell on her, she ain't here. She got a dress in the mail. One of the few times she's ever bought things through the mail. She's learning from her daughters. And she tried it on, and she comes out, and she goes, how does this make me look? Well, if you pause at all, you're in trouble, right? You know? Nine of ten, the great question is, is how do you look? We, they asked ten husbands about that, and 
Nine of them answered correctly. We're still looking for the tenth one, you know, can't find him, right? That's the idea. And you know what it did? It, looked, it was very becoming, made her look beautiful. So guess what? I told her. I, huh? Yeah, exactly. I was the tenth guy, still limping. That's the idea here spiritually, though. As she uh, puts on and grows, and you just put her on your arm and <laughs> strut down the street. Because what? There she is. You take all of the sound doctrine of who God has made us in Christ, and you just ice bucket challenger, <laughs> wash her in it, and then hand her the towel as she grows. Man, that's loving your wife. He ain't done yet, though. We'll get these next verses in the coming weeks. Wives, you understand now what is required of your husband. This is daunting because there are days when he don't feel like it. There are days when you don't feel like learning from him. But that's our jobs. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Think about these. Read these. Think of, I think about the Christ in the church. That's what we've been looking at. Now we'll roll them over into marriage here. We'll, we'll massage these out a little more next time in a couple of weeks. But that's what it is. By the way, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Oh, boy, wait till we talk about that. By the way, that's not at the gym pumping iron. Sorry. It's completely different. That's what the world says. That's not what Scripture's talking about. Okay? If you're here this morning and this all sounds kooky, Nutcase up here, you know. Well, so be it. But we're talking about life in Christ, and I hope you're in Christ. Getting in Christ is pretty easy. It's not walking the aisle. It's not joining a church. You know, the old saying, if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. It's not that at all. It's just simply trusting Christ for the finished work at Calvary. He died for you, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. Your faith in that and that alone, you're in. Now you're in the passage that we're talking about. For those of us that are saved, we got work to do. By the way, this is a lifetime commitment. It's not a two-day deal, three-day seminar. You get a certificate at the end. By the way, you know where you get your certificate? The judgment seat of Christ. <laughs> okay? Think about these things, guys. Ladies, look at them. Understand that your husband has great responsibility placed on him. He will mess up. That's when you come up and be the help meet. That's when you allow him submitting, allow him to have influence over you. Because it's his job. And if he starts lording it over you and dictator, you just call me and we'll set him straight. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the instructions that we have here in the scriptures, and in the objective standard outside of ourselves. And we do so for your honor and for your glory and everything that we say and do. In your name we pray. Amen. All right.